0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parasha. Today is Wednesday, June 9th, 2021, and we are in middle of the dramatic story of Korach, the one who tried to lead a revolt against Moses and against Aaron and fracture and splinter the Jewish people. He attempted to do that, but as we read yesterday, he and his cohort, they were swallowed into the earth. The earth then closed its mouth, so to speak, to, uh, to keep them in. And the 250 people that were along with them that offered incense in an unwarranted way, so they were also, they, were, um, they, they lost their lives. And in the aftermath, very interestingly, in the aftermath, the Torah, God told Moshe to tell, God put out the command, to take the bronze or the copper, I think it was copper, sensors, the, um, the fire sticks, the incense sticks, and hammer them down and use it as a plating for the altar, essentially as a testament for all time. Don't mess or don't start up. Don't, don't try to um, challenge the priesthood and the leadership of Moses, etc. Okay, but then the last thing we read yesterday was very... Very intriguing. Where the day after all of this goes down, the people rise up against Moses and Aaron and say, "You killed God's people. How could you? You took you took some of our best and brightest." So this is where we pick it up today. What is the response to that? All right. I'm all right. sure. I'm sharing sure my screen with you. Yeah. I found something on um, on the copper. Let me tell you. Um, it's why copper. Just like copper tarnishes and then can be scrubbed clean, so the people of Israel, although they sin, they repent and are forgiven. I like it. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. So copper represents, I guess, not just the degradation, but the restoration potential. There's that restoration potential within the copper. Yes, copper could get a little, you know, whatever, but... Can always repolish it. I love that. So what we did, the last little like flourish of yesterday's conversation was how in the aftermath of um, Korach's demise and the demise of the... And Tatan and Abiram and the demise of the 250 people who were part of that whole fiasco. So in the aftermath, the following day, the entire congregation complained against Moses and Aaron. And what did they say? You have killed the people of the Lord. How do you guys do this? Instead of learning the lesson, now they turn against Moses and Aaron again. And here we have, and then God appears, and now we're jumping into reading number four. Here we go. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, stand aside from this congregation. I I cannot tell you how many times, I think this is the third time in this week's Torah portion, that someone well, Moses primarily has been told, or the people have been told, like, stay away, watch out, something's about to go down. So God tells Moses, stand aside from the congregation, and I shall consume them in an instant. They fell on their faces, they meaning Moses and Aaron, because they realized that now everybody's going down, God forbid. So Moses said to Aaron, we need, to, we need an intervention. Take the censer. Remember those 250 censers? Take your censer and put fire from the altar top into it and put incense. So Moses is now telling Aaron, the legitimate high priest, go ahead, get a censer, again that stick, put fire in it, coals or fire or whatever, wood, fire from the top of the altar, and then put the incense, the special formula, formula incense into it, then take it quickly to the congregation and atone for them. For wrath has gone forth from the Lord, and the plague has begun. Basically, Aaron, you're the only one that can save the people now. Go for it. So Aaron took it, just as Moses had said, and he ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague had begun among the people. He placed the incense on it and atoned for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague ceased. The number of dead in the plague, listen to this, was 14,700. This was amongst the general populace besides those who died because of the matter of Korach. In other words, these were not people that were in the original rebellion. These were people that were part of the larger group that complained, that, that, that basically called out Moses and Aaron, saying you killed God's people in the aftermath of the demise of Korach and his cohort." So 14,700 die. Aaron ultimately stops the plague with the incense and returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the plague was checked. Checked means, Naatsara means stopped. I don't know what the word checked, per se, means in that context, but I guess check means put something in check, keep it at bay, stop it from happening, I guess, checkmate, Right? You, uh, you stop the other side. Okay, let's take a look at some Rashi's over here. So um, when Moses says to Aaron, take the incense and atone for the people and stop the plague. So take a look at what Rashi says. This secret was given over to him by the angel of death. Look at that, right? This could be a book. Secrets of the angel of death, right? So the angel of death itself, I was about to say himself, but why ascribe gender to an angel of death? So the angel of death itself told Moses the secret when when Moses went up to heaven to get the Torah. And what was the secret? That incense holds back the plague as related in Tractate Shabbat in the Talmud. So here we have an amazing insight, amazing revelation. The angel of death tells Moses about the power of incense to stop death, to stop a plague. And so when the plague breaks out in the aftermath of Korah's demise, Moses sends Aaron, the legitimate high priest, with incense to stop it. Listen to this. You want to see something wild? Aaron stood between the dead. What does that mean? He took hold of the angel of death and held him against his will. Can you imagine? I picture him grabbing the, um, the lapel of the angel of death, right, holding him. The angel said to him, allow me to accomplish my mission. Aaron said to him, Moses commanded me to stop you. So the angel of death said, I am the messenger of the omnipresent, and you are the messenger of Moses. God trumps Moses. That, that was the angel of death's logic. Uh, God sent me to, to take life. Moses sent you to stop it, but I got God, you know, it's like rock, paper, scissors. God is, you know, above in the chain, above Moses. So Aaron said to him, Moses, listen to this, Moses does not say anything on his own volition, but only at the bidding of the Almighty. So if Moses told me to stop you, it's not coming from Moses, it's coming from God. And if you do not, if you do not believe me, the Holy One, blessed be he, and Moses are at the entrance of the Tent of Meeting. Come with me and ask. This is the meaning of the statement, Aaron returned to Moses. All right, there we go. So we have this incredible dialogue between, between Aaron and the angel of death. Aaron is trying to stop the angel of death. The angel of death says, let me go. He says, Moses sent me. He says, God sent me. He says, Moses wouldn't do anything on his own. If you don't believe me, go ask God. And the plague stops. That's from the Midrash. Another interpretation says, Rashi, why the incense? Why with incense? Because the Israelites were slandering and vilifying the incense, saying that, that it was a deadly poison. They said, incense is cursed. Because through it, Nadab and Abihu, the two sons of Aaron, died. And through it, the 250 people who brought the incense just now were burnt. Right? Remember these last two, these the, the incident that just happened with Qur'as, 250 guys? So it, it killed Nadab and Abihu when they brought an incense offering. It killed the 250 people who brought their incense offering. So this incense, bad news. That's what the people were saying. So the holy one blessed be he said, You shall see that it will stop the plague. The incense is going to help. And it is sin that caused their death, not the incense. Basically, God wanted to clarify and clear up this misconception. It's not the incense that kills. It's the sin that kills. Now the ben went where they shouldn't have gone, that's what brought about their demise. I'm not judging, I'm just saying. The 250 people, their actions brought about their demise, not the incense in and of itself. To demonstrate that, here incense is going to be used to save life, not, to the, not, not in the opposite way. Donna, God. yeah. So you know, in many religions, the congregants are told to to fear God, God literally, that He's going to bring down the wrath. So, but from these instances that we're exploring, that didn't happen in the Jewish faith. I mean, this incident didn't. You know, in the Jewish people say though we're going to be afraid of God. Right. No, they were still pretty brazen after that. Look, there's definitely this cycle in you know in the book of numbers specifically about you know the people i don't know what the right word is um rebelling or you know not not behaving let's just use that phrase and they're you know breaking out a plague a a plague breaking out there 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 seems to be pretty swift consequences in that for, for that generation why i don't know i mean we could We could posit that maybe they should have known better. Maybe they were held to a higher standard. Maybe it's part of Torah as a as a lesson for us, you know. But now it doesn't work like that, you know. Now now it's not one of those things where plagues break out. And if somebody says, "Oh, by the way, the reason why there's a plague or a drought or a hurricane or an earthquake is because of sin," we're like, "Ooh, uh, don't know about that." But in the Torah, it's a different story. Why? Because the Torah is God's word. Somebody is starting to make that up on their own. Now that's your word. Now you're just, you're just making that up. Right? You want to be inspired by the Torah's methodology? Great, do a mitzvah. You want to start predicting and, and doomsdaying and 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 pointing fingers and sharing and, and and assessing blame? That's on you. Don't blame God for that. Don't don't bring God into that picture. Anyway, that's just an aside because again somebody could say oh look this is uh, throughout the torah a play breaks out in response to so if you know it just fo- logically follows that if something bad is happening we need to attribute it to a specific action with a specific group of people but that's not that's not our job the torah does that that's not our job since when are we writing our own torahs i mean that's not that's not a thing we're meant to follow the law not start you know pontificating and, 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 and predicting or whatever it is. Okay, now I want to do fifth reading because we're off tomorrow because of the last JLI class, the last Thursday session of the current course. So Friday we'll do six and seven. So today we're doing four and five. Because, and here we get to the final sign that affirms Aaron's high priesthood. Remember, the core of this Torah portion is a challenge to the structure, a challenge to the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And it seems very specifically it was targeted at Aaron that Korach was a Levite. And although it seems like he also wanted to, you know, get rid of Moses, he really was gunning for the position of priesthood and to be high priest. So we have an affirmation of that. There's multiple affirmations of that. Number one, the 250 wannabe priests that brought the incense Died and Aaron's was accepted. So that proves that Aaron is the high priest. Number two, Aaron is stopping the plague with the incense that breaks out amongst the people. Again, Aaron seems to be in that role. And the third sign of Aaron's affirmation happens in this reading right here. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. This is going to be very interesting. And take from them a staff for each father's house. That means one stick like a stick, per tribe from all the chieftains according to their father's houses. 12 tribes, 12 staffs, 12 sticks, a total of 12 staffs, and inscribe each man's name on his staff. So think of, just picture a piece of wood, a staff, and etched into the wood is the name of the leader of the tribe. And, verse 18, inscribe Aaron's name on the staff for the tribe of Levi. For there is only one staff for the head of their father's house. So, 12 staffs, 12 tribes, the, the staff for the tribe of Levi, and Aaron's name is the representative of that tribe. And then, verse 19, you shall place the staffs, place all the staffs, in the tent of meeting, before the ark of the testimony, where I commune with you." So remember, that is, there was an outer courtyard, surrounded by walls, but then inside there was a building, a covered, smaller building, inside of which was, were two chambers. The first chamber housed the menorah, the golden altar, and the showbread table. The inner chamber, which was behind another another curtain, is where the ark of the testimony was. God spoke to Moses from that space, and Moses stood behind the curtain to listen, um, outside the curtain to listen, and only one person went in there once, once a year, uh, on Yom Kippur, that being the high priest. So you should place the staffs in the tent of meeting in front of the Ark of Testimony where I commune with you. Okay, um, let's continue inside. The staff, God says, the staff of the man whom I choose will blossom magically, a dead staff, because a staff by definition means that it's cut off from the tree, which means it's no longer growing. So this dead staff will blossom. And I will calm down, turning away from myself the complaints of the children of Israel, which they are complaining against you. In other words, once this is clear, that the one who I chose is Aaron, because, I mean, that's, spoiler alert, that's what it means. It's like, you know, each tribe and tribal representative is giving a staff with their name on it, and one of them will blossom. Okay, that's going to be Aaron's. Then it will be known to whom I, uh, uh, whom I have chosen and the complaints will stop. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and all their chieftains gave him a staff for each chieftain according to their father's houses. Again, tribal identity. A total of 12 staffs. And Aaron's staff was amidst their staffs. Very important. That word amidst, Rashi points out, what does amidst? Uh, what is, what does amidst mean? He placed it in the middle, so they should not say that it blossomed because he had placed it close to the divine presence. It wasn't. You have a bunch of stamps. It wasn't the one closest to the ark. It was in the middle, right? No, it's okay. La havdil, right? I'm not giving a, an exact parallel, but la a magician that says, you know, put the car, put the card in, in the middle of the deck, right? Don't put it on top because that's. But in the middle of the deck, and and still something magical is going to happen. That's kind of what we have over here. The staff of Aaron is in the middle of the other staffs. Okay? Um, So Moses placed... So Moses, verse 22, Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. And on the following day, Moses came to the tent of testimony. And behold... Aaron's staff for the house of Levi had blossomed. It gave forth blossoms, sprouted buds, and produced ripe almonds. We'll get into details in a second. Moses took out all the staffs from before the Lord to the children of Israel. They saw and they took each man his staff. Every tribe took their staff back. Their unblossomed, unbudded, unalmonded staff. And they saw that the only staff that had Blossomed and developed was the staff of Aaron, and that was a sign that indeed Aaron was the chosen one. Okay, so that's the story. That's the story of Aaron's confirmation, affirmation, proving that Aaron indeed was the chosen high priest of the Jewish people. I want to let's do a little Rashi, and then we're going to I want to share an insight or two on this. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Verse 18. Inscribe scribe Aaron's name on the staff of Levi, for there's only one staff for the head of the father's house. So Rashi says, Although I've divided them into two families, the family of Kohuna separate and the family of the Levites separate. In other words, the tribe of Levi is divided into Kohanim and Levim, priests and Levites. So there's two groups from one tribe. It is nevertheless one tribe. So only one staff for the whole tribe and the high priest is the rep of that tribe. Um, uh, I will calm down," Rashi says, "as in, and the water subsided. Vayesayku. So it's it's this expression of subsiding, and in the king's anger abated. Shachacha. Oh, sorry, it's vayesayku, Shachacha. Yeah, that's the word with the shin, not a sin. Yeah. So it's a, the idea of calming down and subsiding. Um, we talked about amidst their staffs and the significance of doing that. Um, okay, so Rashi says on the phrase "It gave forth blossoms did Aaron stick? This is to be understood in the literal in its literal sense. Buds, this is the budding of the fruit after the blossom falls off. So there's in the in the growth and development of uh, of a fruit tree, right, which I have I have the, we have the good fortune in our house uh, in, our, in our yeah by our house to have the a um, a peach tree and a plum tree. The plum tree is producing so many plums this year. Oh my gosh, there's plums everywhere. But plums, when they fall, they go splat. So it's like... The, it's, uh, the They weren't eaten by the... No, no, they only went after the peaches. Which is really disappointing. It's like, take the plums. We can't use them. We're not using them anyway. Anyway, I guess they know what they like. So there you go. So they produced ripe almonds. Let's take a look at Rashi. Um, When the fruit was recognizable, it it was recognized that they were almonds. A similar expression is found in, and the child grew and was weaned. This expression is frequently used in reference to fruits of the tree as in, and the buds turned into ripening grapes. Now, why did it bear particular almonds? Why almonds? So Rashi says, that is the fruit that blossoms quicker than other fruits. It's the quickest blossoming fruit. Likewise, he who opposes the kahuna, the priesthood, his punishment comes quickly. Oh, so there's a message. There's a moral lesson. Just like Aaron's staff blossomed, producing almonds quickly overnight. And almonds anyway are quick. So that someone who starts up with the priest, punishment will come quickly. As we find the case of Uzziah and the the Tzarat, shown upon his forehead. And again, he was messing around with... uh, starting up with the precept, The Onkelos renders knotted almonds like a cluster of almonds knotted together on top of one another. I want to share some insights with you. All right, here we go. So I'm stopping. I, I'm, uh, I turned off Rashi for a second just so we can focus on some verses. Like I mentioned, we had we have three different approbations, confirmations of Aaron's position of leadership. Number one, his incense is accepted. His offering is accepted. The other 250 people destroyed in a plague, singed by fire. Second confirmation, his incense stops the plague. But both of those deal with death and destruction. The third lesson is the one that sticks. I started talking about this uh, yesterday, about education. Sometimes a heavy-handed approach doesn't transform. I mean, it makes an impact, but it doesn't necessarily transform because transformation happens from the inside out. What made the transformation? What really drove the message home from the inside out? This episode with the with the staff that blossomed, that 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 uh, that ripened. Uh, sorry, that um, budded, blossomed. Bl- sorry, blossomed, budded, and produced ripe almonds. Why? There's a there's a deeper significance in this story. You see what's happening. What's happening is a dry stick. A dead, and I mentioned this before, a dead, lifeless stick is becoming alive. This is the mark of leadership. What is the mark of a leader? Someone who can inspire, someone who can take, someone who is not for me, not interested in Judaism, look at someone else, can take that person and help them become inspired from the inside out to the point that they themselves are inspired, and sharing their inspiration in turn with others, which is the significance of producing fruit that others can then enjoy. Not only were they inspired, but they're so inspired that they're going to in turn inspire someone else. This is the hallmark. This is the mark of leadership. This is what an errand is really about. What, live from France or from the airport? Sandrine? Oh, or, or not? Hey, Sandrine. Hello. Where are you? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. Tonight. There you okay. Oh, there you go. All right. I was, I was announcing live from France. No, okay. So live from Atlanta. Still from Atlanta. Okay. Got it. Well, welcome. So we were talking about the, the true mark of leadership. Aaron's sign that he is the leader is his stick blossoms and, and, and buds and produces almonds. And the idea of a leader is someone who can take a stick... And make it blossom. Someone who can inspire even someone who others thought, or even they themselves thought, were uninspirable. It's like the story of Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones, where God says, do you think I can bring these bones to life? And the prophet says, my guess would be yes, because you're God, so you can do whatever you want. And indeed, God brings the, the, the dry bones back to life. Not just bones, but dry bones. Bring a stick to life, a stick, a dead stick. It's not a branch that, you know, you can, it's a, it's cut off. I mean, a live branch. It's, it's cut off from its source, allegedly. And still, you can bring it to life. This is what a true leader is. In our times, of course, the Rebbe was such a leader. And I think it's highly significant that as we get ready for Gimel Tamas, the, the Rebbe's Yartze, which is coming up on Sunday, the parish that we're, that we're living with this week, talks about leadership and yeah we could we could think about the negative part of it but let's just put that aside but really about affirming what is the nature of leadership right it's it's really about taking a stick and making a blossom in a post-holocaust world when jewish life was down and depressed and and quite understandably And the Jewish world was decimated. The Rebbe breathed life into Judaism. Yes, of course, there were remnants of Judaism and Jewish practice after the Holocaust. But the Rebbe wasn't content in just building a community where people would would do their thing. The Rebbe was obsessed with breathing life into the Jewish world, into even those that had, in their own words, checked out of, of the tribe. Even those who said, not for me, not interested, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Don't call me, we'll call you. The Rebbe, the Rebbe brought inspiration around the world to Jews and to inspire them even when they had written themselves out and, 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 and off. I, I can't tell you how many stories. I, I, I don't, No one story specifically comes to mind, but there are endless stories, countless stories of people in exactly that, uh, that, that, that situation. People who were, you know, just not interested and inspired, became inspired by the rabbi. This is the, the true mark of leadership. It's, it's inspiration. It's inspiring someone in a way that they're inspired from the inside out that will encourage them to want to inspire somebody else. So it's a leader creating additional leaders. Of course, as the famous quote from Jonathan, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, the Rebbe was, good leaders create, fo- or leaders create followers. A good leader creates many followers, but great leaders create leaders. The Rebbe created leaders. The Rebbe wanted to create people who would inspire others, not just be inspired, but would inspire and in turn others. So that, that's, that's what leadership is, and that's, what, that's the message that we're getting in, the, in today's reading. Actually, it's tomorrow's reading, but we, we covered it today. Why is Aaron the high priest? Because he's someone who can inspire and inspire others to the point that they will inspire the next generation as well. So let's take this message, and number one, let's be inspired. <laughs> let's be alive, Jewishly. And number two, let's do our best to inspire others to be alive. And to inspire them to the point where they inspire, in turn, someone else. To keep the football expression would be keep the chains moving, keep the inspiration flowing. All right. That's it for today. Questions, comments. Oh, the gefilte fish charm. I love it. Look at <laughs> it's that. a fish and it says gefilte on it. <laughs> I love it. I once had a bit of a sacrilegious um, symbol on, on, my, on a vehicle. It was secondhand. It was a secondhand vehicle, but it had the right. Remember that it had like the fish. You know the fish symbol. The, the that's Pisces, Pisces. yeah. And then it said Kefilta inside. So a similar, similar thing. Ray, you wanted to say something? Um. Yeah. Not on the subject particularly. Do we believe that people know when they're going to die? That they have something happening? Yeah. There is, there is, um, it is mentioned in sources, something along that line. Yeah. So the now, reason I'm saying yeah. that, um, a very dear friend of mine passed away Friday. Oh, I'm so sorry. So when I was making a shiva call, her daughter said, look what we found. It was something that she wrote, uh, about Hashem. It was like a page and a half or two pages long. They didn't know she was writing it. Wow. When they left to go to school in the morning, she was fine. They came home. She wasn't breathing. Wow. And then they found this writing, which had to be... She had to know she was dying. Right. Yeah. It do, it does say that. Yeah, it says that in the sources that that the soul definitely knows. And it can... Um, you know, that information can, can leak through a little bit to... To the body to the to the mind to the consciousness as well, whether it's you know a, a more of a, whether it's a, an acute knowledge or maybe just an intuition um, but somehow the soul the soul does know the soul is somewhat aware of it I think I've mentioned in 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 some of the courses that we've done on this topic this idea but you know it's yeah, it's, it is brought down in sources. I don't remember exactly which sources. I couldn't tell you a chapter and verse. But there, it, it does talk about this. That, that is a very powerful story. Yeah. yeah it's very eerie. It reminds us that more than we know here, we know, I would point to my heart, but I mean, you know, inside, the soul knows, much more than our brains know. Our brains are very limited in their awareness. It's typically limited to what goes through the holes in our head. Right, the eye see what the ear hears. Right, that that's typically how we know things. But the soul's to, the soul's awareness and knowledge, is not limited to you know physical. The physical channels, it knows more, and yeah, the soul the soul is um, is aware. I guess we'll end with a um, with with uh, a statement of our sages. Basically. That we're to live a life every day, sorry, to live every day with meaning and with energy and vitality because we never know, you know when, our, when our number will be called, so to speak, right? When, when our time will be up. So let's, not, not to be a morbid thought, on the contrary, to be an inspirational thought. Let's live each day with meaning, purpose, vitality, vigor, energy, passion, meaning, purpose to make each day indeed Alive. All right. Thanks for joining. It's great to see you all. Have a wonderful day. Don't forget tonight Torah studies or flight, depending on your um, your itinerary. <laughs> no, no Wi-Fi. So no Wi-Fi. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Travel safely. But tonight we are, ha- we are to- tonight we are having a class all about Korach in a positive light. The premise is going to be I don't want to say too much, but why are we naming a Torah portion after someone who seems to be purely a villain? That doesn't make sense. How, a, there's not even a Torah portion named after Moses. And Korah gets his name in lights for a full week? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it tonight. Don't miss it. 7.30. If you, do, if you can't make it, shh, look for the recording soundcloud youtube whatever the the different opportunities all right have a wonderful day everybody we'll see you guys take care be well